Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi guys and welcome to the Dental Business Podcast. It's Brad Thornton here. So this is going to be a, a, a podcast episode that's really talking about the the current state of affairs that we've got in the UK dentistry. Um, now, sort of last week or recently, the, the Chief Dental Officer, Sarah Hurley, uh, ran a webinar with uh, a few guests, which, you know, was viewed by over 10,000 dentists within the UK, all sat watching in bated breath on tender hooks, looking for clarity, looking for guidance, looking for leadership. And I think pretty much every single one was disappointed that um, by the end of it, there was um, an apparent lack of leadership. There was very little more clarity and there was very little additional guidance. And I didn't watch it live. I, I was reading the comments before I actually got around to watching the webinar. You know, I, I had my expectations beforehand. I actually didn't watch it live because I felt that, that it was going to be a waste of time. And um, But the curiosity got the better of me reading the comments. So I just had to listen and had to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it it, uh, it didn't disappoint in the sense that it lived up to my very low expectations of, of what really would be achieved by something. I mean, having 10,000 plus dentists all from the uh, from the UK looking for sort of something, you had prime opportunity to be able to offer guidance and clarity. I mean, the one thing that I found infuriatingly frustrating throughout the whole webinar was the fact that there was a constant reference to a letter a document we produced this there is guidance here that's for, that's all good and well but you know you've got you know th- thousands of dentists all tuned in you've got your captive audience just say what the guidance is there and then stop referencing a letter or um, a document that's been released previously. Um, just repeat the information, just say it there and then because, I mean, I'm a private dentist. It's very difficult for me to get hold of information because we are we are forgotten. Um, I'm not looking for any kind of sympathy whatsoever, but, um, you know, we don't get um, normal correspondence and we don't get memos and this. And if, to be fair, if it wasn't for Facebook and social media, I would not have a scooby-doo what the hell is going on at all. Um, it's it's just the fact that we've got quite, and it is getting a more cohesive, supportive network of dentists. Yeah, it's a little bit disjointed and there are a little bit of fractions here and there and there are groups getting set up for this and that. But the bottom line is there is a definite improvement in the community spirit among the dental profession. I hope everyone else has seen that because I, I certainly am. But the dissemination of information via social media is really the the one really good thing that's coming out of this. I mean, for, for the chief dental officer to almost immediately start uh, taking the piss out of what's happening on social media, I mean, technically that's the wrong phrase actually, but actually criticising it um, when a lot of these groups, they're closed groups, inaccessible to the public. Um, we need places to be able to speak frankly and openly and 
And if I'm being honest as well, for the person that did uh, whatever was done that was reported to the GDC regarding uh, the April Fool or whatever it was, I've got a memory that I might have actually seen the post. Um, just rest assured that the GDC will not give a monkeys about that at all. You know, as a practice owner, as a business person, I've spoke to the GDC on numerous occasions about uh, situations that we've been in from a legal point of view with um certain aspects with um certain financial issues with uh, previous uh, emigrating associates and you know things that have happened now they do not and I can pre- speak pretty much exclusively they do not ever take an interest in anything that is not specifically directly related to patient safety and doing an April Fool's on a social media site of closed dental professionals, they they just won't care about. They just will not. They won't not look at it. Now they might. It might be a bit of a a bit of lip service. They might do you know a bit of a sort of paperwork exercise for the simple fact that it's come from the CDO's office. But I, I wouldn't worry at all with that. Um, similarly, being um, something being flagged up with the sort of ICO regarding GDPR breaches because a list of volunteers have put their names down on something to, um, again, you know, that's just that's just not going to go anywhere. A GDPR breach is really only going to get investigated if you yourself are complaining to the ICO about someone breaching your personal data or a breach about your personal data. Now, if you've if you've given your information voluntarily on a social media, that's just not going to happen. So again, it's just pointless parts of the the webinar at first that really did just put a barrier between the the viewer, the listener, and the uh, the people giving the talk and the the CDO. You know, if you want to try and disconnect yourself from your audience quickly, then that was a pretty good example of what you're supposed to do to be able to do that. The one thing that I think that us as dentists need really is is a little bit of speed and to cut through the red tape. The the frustrating thing from what I can gather is that um, a lot of what needs to get done has to pass through about 15 different layers and filtered through NHS England and the Department of Health and government and this and that before anything gets actioned. I mean, it was one of the reasons why apparently we've not been receiving letters or updates as often as other areas, because, you know, in the words of the CDO, it's been left in a pile. And because it's such a fast moving situation, guidance or something has changed before um, the letter has been approved to be sent out to dental practitioners. You know, we need somebody who's uh, got a certain level of authority to be able to take action without having to seek approval from what we can only assume are politicians or the government or people that are, you know, NHS England perhaps, but isn't the CDO the top of the tree? Isn't she supposed to be the person or isn't that position supposed to be somebody who actually is able to to authoritatively carry out actions as the head of an organisation? Surely that can be done quicker and more effectively. You know, I think one of the really helpful things that would uh, that would come out of this, and I'm not an NHS practitioner, so really I'm not in a situation to to be directly or indirectly affected by this. I don't think. Um, but when they were talking about trying to, you know, w- how everything is worked out regionally and locally, that's all good and well. But 
you know, and we expect a proportionate approach. You know, we are in a unique situation, the, you know, things like this where um, I think it's just far too um, wishy-washy, really. I think there needs to be a very clear stance by NHS, which, which should be, in my opinion, that the funding should be allocated because the funding's been allocated already. You know, the NHS budget is the NHS budget. And I, I understand that things are getting redirected and, and certain things from a governmental point of view are changing on, on a regular basis, subject to budget constraints and new um, sort of uh, chancellor announcements about paying for this, that and the other or whatever. So I can see how things from a financial point of view are going to, going to be changing. But really, we are literally at the end of the financial year when it comes to the NHS budget. That you know, they, they should really commit to just paying the NHS practices what their contracted values are. Commit to no clawbacks. It's a, a once, hopefully, you know, it's a once in a generation situation. It's certainly once in a decade situation that we're going through at the moment. Um, why not just pay and commit to no clawbacks? Um, you know, there needs to be. I mean, you know, in their words, an application of common sense with this because it just seems far, far too complicated. There's far too much thought going into the the way that the logistics will work out from you know March of this year to April of uh, March of last year to March of this year and working out one twelfth of this or that. Just pay people like normal, um, no clawbacks. Make sure that things can can at least support local business and the job market in the in the dental industry. Because otherwise, a lot of businesses are gonna go under and they are going to go bust. I think really this this webinar was was such an opportunity to try and unite the profession and you know providing. And you can see it already on social media how private and independent practice groups have been set up now. You know, people are talking about, well, this isn't a time for divisiveness. This should be a time for unity. The problem is that the webinar created these fracture lines because it was very apparent and made very obvious that the CDO's role is, is got, has got nothing to do with private dentistry at all. And the private practice should be going to the Department of Health and the BDA for advice. Um, and that you require a performer number and that we've got enough NHS providers that have volunteered already. I mean, all of that talk and all that rhetoric really does create these fracture lines which you know you've got to find you're going to find yourself on one side of these divisions and although we need to be unified as a profession you know it, there's a definite sense that that private practice are kind of being left behind a little bit and not thought of with regarding um sort of future funding sort of framework sets setups and things like that of, of how things are going to be moving forward what i would have liked to have seen would be you know, this webinar uses an opportunity to sort of a, bring all of the information together in really clear, clear, concise uh, guidance, guidelines, actionable content. Because rather than in what was happening is, you know, we were um, being told to look at this website, follow this hyperlink, click on that, visit that site, do this, do that. In the UK dental market, we are so heavily regulated that actually a lot of our decisions kind of get taken away from us. And we work in an environment that, that we're scared of doing the wrong thing. And more often than not, there are cases where uh, the best intentions are met with kind of red tape and, and, and being told that you're doing the wrong thing and you can't do this. And so we, we sort of feel that as a profession, we can't interpret and work things out. 
we need to be told and guided by the people that make the decisions. So really, this should have been used as an opportunity to do that, which it wasn't, which I find really, really highly disappointing. That comes on to one of the guests, Hussan, who, who talked about the transfer of skills, you know, how things need to be safe for patients and, and, and the staff and talking about redeployment competencies that will be, again, worked out regionally. Again, she, she, she mentioned and she talked about how you know, there is going to be a framework of answers to questions regarding things like indemnity and remuneration um, and this is going to be released and this is there and you know why not answer the questions there and then on the webinar everybody's listening everybody's watching um, it just didn't make sense to me one of the uh, really difficult things to get clarity on um, watching the webinar and you know we're all sort of sat at home we're trying to give fun advice and triage i mean everybody listening to this from from, um, from around the world to be honest because we're all on lockdown really how hard is it to give triage advice to a patient that's in a, that's got dental pain that's got toothache you know we're limited with what we can do you know we're being told on one hand that we need to use clinical judgment if there's no local dental uh, urgent dental care centers set up We've got to stop routine dental care, but if you're faced in a situation where you've got a patient that needs a face-to-face appointment and you don't have somewhere to send them locally, one of these urgent dental centres, then you need to use your clinical judgement whether you can risk assess the situation and carry out non-aerosol-generating procedures um, with the the sort of adequate uh, PPE. But then almost at the flick of a switch we're being told that actually there should be no situation where that's that's uh, uh, required because all of the local urgent dental care centres have been set up which we all know is completely incorrect I think there's only London maybe some you know seeing the things maybe in Cumbria maybe somewhere in the West Midlands being set up there's certainly none in Leeds um, or the surrounding area so we're in a situation where my patients are a bit sort of left in the lurch and, and we're really struggling to figure out what to do. Now, there might be some situations where uh, we get to a point where, you know, things are being set up independently of the NHS, subject to CQC approval and correct PPE uh, being available, just to help sort of ease the load and, and actually deal with some of the private patients that are coming through with, uh, with emergencies. When the sort of urgent dental care expert Eric came on the line you know when he was talking about when he began what he was chatting I was actually hoping that we get some clarity about when things were going to be maybe set up maybe a little bit more sort of information regarding timelines just to have a better idea so that we can actually because we're the ones that are dealing on um, on our front line with our patients but again, you know, what we find is, you know, everything is muddied by complexity. And we, we're talking about um, the local dental network, local, local uh, LDNs, LDCs, local commissioners, hospital people. We're talking about standard operating procedures being published. Um, we're talking about working on the systems and then working on service providers. We're listing a number of appendices that are dealing with all the various different, and you, you think to yourself, like, it sounds so, so complicated that we really need to be cutting through 
all the chatter and the red tape and just finding locations where, from a geographical point of view, from a logistical point of view and sort of capacity point of view, could be used as local dental care centres, providing adequate support, adequate training, adequate PPE, working with 111, working with local practitioners, disseminating information and then just letting things run and letting them go. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks of lockdown and I just don't feel that we're any closer to really getting anything done. I think all of us are really, you know, disappointed with the with the webinar and, and looking for some clarity and guidance. And I'm trying not to turn this into a, a big ranting episode, but, um, you know, it was a, just a, a disappointing thing to listen to. And then the, the benefit of doing a podcast is that I have an outlet. You know, we've all got social media. We can all speak in there but you know this gives me my my therapy my outlet and and really allows me to to give myself a a sort of cathartic sort of outlet but a lot of people don't have a voice and and i feel like we don't really have a huge amount of 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 voice now the bda i do think are stepping up to the plate more and you know it was referenced by the cdo you know if that if you take anything away from anything it's the fact that she she respects them um the sort of leaders of the industry are, are uh, influenced by the BDA and they are doing something so we do need to support them whether other bodies come up and sprout up in light of of what's going on we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see how much impact that has trying to uni- unify the profession there's never been a better opportunity than now so hopefully that's going to have a positive impact on our ability to negotiate to implement to influence uh, long term because we've we've always needed it there's always been criticism uh, of the way things have been done um, and hopefully this will provide uh, a platform for things to change from now until the future there was a time actually where i spoke to sarah hurley good sort of the very very beginnings of of when she took her position within like literally i think it was one of her first days on the job, we actually had a phone conversation because I wrote a letter to her and the, the Prime Minister at the time, it might have been David Cameron, I can't remember, um, just about various things to do with dentistry. So we had a good conversation and she did <clears throat> seem to have a lot of energy and you know she's got she has got a you know a good a good C V and I think on paper would would make a good good CDO. Maybe the pressures of the job, maybe the fact that we're in a, a sort of a, a society where that role has limited power and have, there, there's too much red tape around it, so it limits basically the, the effectiveness of it. I, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, if if people from the office are listening and, and the leaders of the the profession are listening, you kind of need to take... Yes, there was you were quite dismissive about social media and towards the end commenting about, you know, don't take information that you read on social media or don't take that where don't get your information from there use you know use google and and use all the reference uh, sites and and the links that are posted on the bda and on the cdo and on the nhs and on the whatever um but you've got to take social media seriously and that's a really quick and easy way to to, to get information to the to the profession i do think that the that the position is untenable now and i do think that there's going to be some changes um pushed through by the profession uh, there needs to be a, a sense of mutual respect, which I think was lacking in the webinar. 
I'm hoping that there'll be positive changes that are made off the back of this. We need to unify as a, as a profession and really uh, become stronger off the back of this. I'm sure we will. I'm sure things will improve. Um, and I'm sure that there are going to be changes made, hopefully quite speedily, um, so we can all do what's right for our patients. We can all support our business. We can all carry on and survive and then come out the back of this and be stronger, more unified front. So the words of the CDO, you guys, you don't always have to talk, but hopefully you're always listening. Um, hope you enjoyed that. Sorry if it was a bit rantful. Sorry if it didn't make much sense. I wasn't massively coherent. You know, like always, these podcasts are done off a couple of bullet points. Just, you know, it's just me, me ranting away and monologuing things with very little editing at all. So what you hear is what you get. Um, we're all chatting on social media. You know, there is a lot of communication going on. I think we're all getting to know each other a lot more, which I find really, really helpful. Hopefully it will all continue, sort of. These fracture lines will, won't be too wide. Things will heal. We'll all be stronger. We'll all push forward. And the profession will evolve after this. I, for one, am excited to see that. Um, but between now and then... Let's all stick together, let's keep together, let's keep supporting each other. Stay safe, and I guess I'll see you all on Facebook. Facebook.